And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake it. Bake it. Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove, as always. John, how are we doing on this Friday evening? A lot more relaxed because I thought this week was it just gone by too slow. <laughs> too slow, man. I, it just felt like every day it, it felt as if it was an extra 24 hours put on to, be a, to the re- regular 24 hours. It was. I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. I'm ready to get this weekend started. Yeah, and hopefully it'll be a good weekend of K-State sports and a good weekend for the Big 12 in general with the Big 12 SEC Challenge coming tomorrow. Ten Big 12 teams going against ten SEC teams. You know, we've been talking about it, you know, every single episode we do, John, that the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. And I think it's going to be our time to prove it in the SEC. But if it's your first time listening here on Wildcat 91.9, the Shake and Blake Show, we're a K-State sports podcast um, not talking any Chiefs, or we're definitely not talking any Broncos stuff, John. Um, we wow, also, <laughs> I you just had to bring that <laughs> up, huh? Sorry, I just I had to get it in. You know, there's been a lot of trash talk, you know, between the Chiefs and the Bengals about, uh, you know, for Burrowhead. And, why, why, why you bring up the Broncos for? We have no. Well, they're in the area. Can't... You're a Broncos fan. There's other Broncos fans Dude, that I'm like exist. Two out of. I'm like two out of 100 Broncos fans that okay, exist yeah. here, man. All right. We got a lot of stuff to get to, John. But oh, we do a live show on Wildcat 91.9 every Friday from 6 to 7 p.m., a.k.a. right now. We also publish episodes on Monday recapping K-State sports over the weekend. That's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Um, before we get into our show, John, we do want to send our thoughts and prayers to Tim Fitzgerald, who revealed that um, on Tuesday in a meeting with his oncologist that had cancer had come back and has spread to his lymphatic yeah. system. So, um, you know, we want to give our thoughts and prayers and support to Tim Fitzgerald, who's a K-State media legend. He's been covering K-State sports for decades, you know, uh, through Go Power Cat, you know, when it was a magazine uh, back in the day, and now GoPowerCat.com. Go but a true icon, you know, he, he's, he's one to, you know, he's not afraid to speak his mind on Twitter, and we all <laughs> love him for it. Uh, I mean, anybody who's covered or has been involved with college sports, and particularly K-State media, um, they, they've been really familiar with Tim Fitzgerald. Um, he's been a very serious and a reporter and a very good content creator um, with his daily de- deliveries that he provides, all of his spots, uh, or, uh, recaps. and uh, Also, he's all involved in the press conferences as well. He is, he is one of the iconic legends. Um, in the K-State media, for, for us, for like for Wildcat 919, it goes for a lot of other outlets that have been very familiar with Tim Fitzgerald at the time. Um, I mean, if you believe in a prayer, send one up to Fitz I mean, and send all the support he can get. Yeah, I think I can say that, you know, not only for us, but for everyone at Wildcat 919, everyone at K-State, we are supporting Tim Fitzgerald in his fight against cancer. But um, it's it's kind of hard to segue from that, but uh, we've got a great show for you lined up tonight. We're going to recap the Iowa State game, go over the Big 12 standings, as well as the Big 12 SEC Challenge preview. We'll recap women's basketball against Oklahoma State this week, give a Florida preview. Uh, we had written in our thing, K-State Sports Trivia. John, I'm not going to lie. 
I didn't really have time to research some questions, Man. but 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 I promise you, you will learn some stuff. Um, I got a book that I was obsessed with when I was like ten, called Wildcats to Power Cats: K State Football Facts and Trivia by Mark Stallard. Okay. There's some really good stuff in there. I don't know if I'll quiz you on any of it because some of it's just kind of fun facts. That's fair. But we, you'll we still learn. You'll still learn one. a lot. Um, so there's still there's still going to be a lot of good stuff can, in there at can, the end of us. We can at, call it we can call it fun facts. With, yeah, a little with fun Blake facts. And John. We're still rolling the trivia intro, by the way, because it's just too good. It's too good. If you've never heard it before, you're in for a treat. That a cheesy, a very cheesy treat. A very cheesy um, treat, in which <laughs> I've grown to starting uh, to just be completely in love with. The <laughs> first know? time I heard it, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm about to leave the studio. Like I had the door open. It, and then once when I started hearing it more often, man, I started loving it a little too much. You know, I mean, we were just talking with Laney and Haley before we started the show that we owe them an appearance on our show to do K-State Sports Trivia. Well, so it'll be a treat for them to hear that intro. The question is, would we talk about sports? I think because we only well well I, we we talked about this as yeah. well. The only this is no this is no shot on Laney and Haley at all. But I'm I'm guaranteeing you the only reason they're gonna watch sports is because of how how attractive the guys are. Well, that's why everybody watches sports, John. I mean, come like, on. Like, okay. Anyway, all right. Well, John, the next thing I have on my outline I don't, is, I don't is to, I don't blame you. Though. Is to get our plugs out of the way. So, um, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shaken Blake seven eight five. Make sure you're following the podcast again, Shaken Blake. Pretty good SEO. Should be easy to find wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to leave a review as well. We'll have a new episode on Monday recapping the Big Twelve SEC Challenge and K State Florida and whatever else goes on in K State sports. So, John. I mean, it, we've had a truly privileged basketball season so far for K-State in the Jerome Absolutely. Tang era. Um, we, it's been pretty rare we've had to talk about losses, but uh, we're here to talk about a loss. Um, K-State loses to Iowa State in Hilton Coliseum, 80-76. to 76. Um, There's a couple of, like non-basketball things that were kind of funny. Jerome Tang in his post-game press conference talking about how much better Hilton Coliseum is compared to TCU's basketball court because the fans are so much smarter yeah and it's it's kind of funny that he talks about you know it is a electric atmosphere at hilton coliseum obviously one of the coolest places to play but you know they're talking about smart their fans are but they they let out the biggest fk state champ at the (laughs) beginning of the game and at the end of the game which honestly i'm kind of flattered you know i I, I am it's a respect i i respect that we're you know we're on the lat level now i mean i i mean i could i i I honestly could could care less yeah I mean, Rent free? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah. I mean, you don't have to blatantly point it out. Like, don't make it too obvious. Yeah. But, like, it's like, oh well, at least we're we're, we're being we're being heavily it's mentioned. Of, it's kind of a medal of honor, in, like you know, know the way I see it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, he said he said like the atmospheres between Iowa State and TCU, I and mean, then the TCU Twitter just oh, yeah. went all out, and they're just saying, oh, because he's a former Baylor coach, what <laughs> he's yell so. We we dominated y'all even without a crowd. Is it blah blah blah? Oh Stop. my gosh, they're they're, they're very obnoxious of a fan base. Um, but man, I I mean, they, it was a really good atmosphere at Hilton Coliseum, especially for a top fifteen Big Twelve matchup uh, on a, on a weeknight as well on a Tuesday. But just didn't go the cat's way, and especially Iowa State hitting into this game, they were ten and zero and winning all their home games in convincing fashion. And K State. For regardless of how bad they played, they kept it really close. It was the resilience and the toughness and a lot of momentum swings that kept them in this game. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing I want to touch on first. Let's talk about what Iowa State did in this game. 
before we get into any some of the critiques or talk about some of K-State's struggles, they're 57% from the field, John, th- for the whole game. They shot 63% in the second half, 4-7 yeah. from three in the second half. You know, their top two scores, 23 points uh, on 8 of 11 shooting, 19 points from Gabe Kalsher, who had a clutch shot near the end of the game, 7 of 11 from the field. Their top three scorers, you know, shot 66% from the field for the entire game. Yep. They shot it really well from the free throw line. I mean, they played out of their minds on their home floor. And we'll talk about some of, you know, K-State's struggles this game. But the fact we were in this game at all looking at what Iowa State did and that it was on their home floor is impressive in itself. Not a moral victory. I don't, you know, we're good enough to, not, or, you know, not talk about moral victories, but just something to keep in mind yeah. as we talk about this game going forward because you get into K-State struggles you know we lose the rebounding battle by eight especially down the stretch it was very frustrating to watch zero rebounds from our bigs you know Naquan Tomlin Abayami Ishiola Ish Masood, all zero rebounds you get 10 rebounds from Keontae Johnson but besides that you really don't get a lot of help there and 68 percent from the free throw line not going to win you a lot of games um, there was a stretch where we went like one of six from the free throw line uh, yeah, you know, but- Keontae missed two, Keontae went one for two, and then Desi Sills missed both free throws. You know, in a game that's that tight on the road, like, that's not going to win you a lot of games. And speaking of Desi Sills, a complete donut from Desi Sills off the bench, which is somebody we'll need um, to come through. But, I mean, it's really tough to win that way. And despite all of that, you know, we still found our way. You know, we led at halftime. It was really close. You know, we had a 40-37 to 37 lead in the second half. Iowa State got really hot. They built a big lead, but we always found a way to kind of keep ourselves in this game within arm's reach. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just some of those outside factors that are just going to really be a gun punch. And and like you said, where rubber meets the road at, at several occasions, especially in the Big 12, and you're going to have some of these factors. Oh, what what if K-State was able to make eight more free throws than they, than they, didn't, than they couldn't? They were 17 or 25. Uh, 68% from a line, that was not going to do it as well. But, I mean, you got to tip your hat to Iowa State. I mean, the offensive input that they had was uh, simply absurd. Uh, Gabe Kassler was getting to his spots of ease. He was either knocking down shots or either getting, and also getting to the foul line as well. Uh, he he operated in the mid-range all night. It usually came from when Iowa State really needed some points as well. Uh, Jaron Holmes, man. Uh, he's one of the more underrated players in the Big 12. He was doing a great job um, not being fully, what was the best word, trigger-happy and getting most of his points up a rim. Uh, using a strong frame, I mean, he was a big problem for K-State's bigs uh, throughout the entire game as well. Um, oh, what? Oh, I had this note, the, the other guy. Oh, oh yeah, Oshan Oshani. Yeah. Uh, man, the senior forward, I mean, he was a complete kryptonite for K-State from, from the get-go. He had one of his more efficient games of the night. He finished with 16 points, two blocks, shot 57% in the paint. Um, his post game is so poised. And he knows exactly where the ball is coming that he, he's never rushing a post move. He knows his spots like no other, and he was just so completely effective in all those areas. Yeah, and he was especially clutch at the end of the game. You yeah. know, he has that putback on a miss. That was just what's so frustrating down the stretch. Two times, you know, we get a first shot miss, and then, you know, I think one goes out of bounds on Marquise Noel, and the other one's that putback where it's like if you could have had those back, it would have been a really, you know, in a game that's decided by four points, those things really matter. And really, he, he along with um, – uh, one of a freshman, Tamir, Tamir, I mean Taman Lipsy for yeah. Iowa State. They were really the ones that put the dagger on K State. I mean, what was it with three, what, almost four minutes left? Iowa State was up 66-64. Um, 
Ishmael just hit a three, and next thing you know, um, Iowa State eventually goes to a screen. Tamir Lipsy drew drew two, blah, draw two defenders, and he lobbed the ball over uh, to the top of Oshani, who threw the hammer down on Keontae Johnson. So he he had one heck of a game, and and yeah, Lip, Lipsy as well. I should have mentioned as well the the native uh, yeah, Iowa Ames Iowa native. He got it done. Um, had some good minutes on the court as well. Yeah, I mean, let's go back a little bit. Just to quickly touch on the beginning of the game, the reason we have a lead 33-31 to 31 at halftime is because of a kind of a surprise breakout game for Cam Carter. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 5-5 five of five in the first half, has 13 points, knocks down a couple shots, gets to the line. He was really important for us to kind of building a little bit of a lead and be able to yeah. kind of keep our distance with Iowa State in the first half as we're going back and forth. Because I think the story of this game, they touched in on ESPN, K-State best offense in the Big 12, uh, you know, scoring like 80-plus points a game, which is kind of crazy. But, Iowa State. But on the other hand, you have the best defense yeah. in Iowa State. Yeah, and I think Jerome Tang said in the press conference, I mean, Iowa State scores 12 more points at home than they do on the road, yeah. which is just, I mean, <laughs> that just speaks to the home court advantage mm-hmm. of Hilton Coliseum. So that's a big deal. I mean, because – Cam Carter in the second half only has two points, uh, and they were both on free throws. So um, I think Connor pointed this out from the Aggieville Alleycats. You know, we talked about it in, I believe it was the Butler game. Keontae Johnson was perfect from the field, and Tank talked about, you know, if uh, if somebody's perfect from the field, you probably need to get him more shots. And, I mean, Cam Carter, Carter almost went New York accent there. Cam Quarter, uh, <laughs> get him some more shots in the second half. Some of that has to do with foul trouble. He did have four fouls in this game. And yeah. some of it just was, you know, maybe not finding his shot. But, you know, drawing some stuff up for him I think could have helped with, um, you know, how poorly Marquise Noah shot the ball even though he got his at the free throw line and made a couple threes. And part of it was with Iowa State's defense as well. I mean, when, you, when you're – Putting into consideration with Cam Carter uh, shooting lights out in the first half, Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel were going all out through, uh, throughout uh, throughout a lot of a stretch during Big 12 play. Those are probably three, maybe three out of the four guys that I would say that Iowa State probably ha- had pinned down uh, defensively, and I mean they were doing they were doing their part, especially on Keontae Johnson. He finishes the night six of twelve. Got double. He got into double. Uh, Double double as well with 15 points, 10 rebounds, but um, yeah, yeah, I mean just a lot of just a lot of the shooting factors that didn't come into play, and part of that was what just how insanely good Iowa State's defense is. Yeah, I mean if we don't go nine of 16 from three, 56 percent, which is just absolutely absurd, especially on the road. I mean we got no shot in this game. You know, Marquise Wells four of five from three. Ish Masood. You know, we talk about Desi Sills off the bench not getting much production, but Ish Masood, you know, we 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 like Big Twelve Ish and what he's been doing. You know, thirteen points off the bench. I mean, he is a bit of a liability defensively, but man, I mean, it's crazy to think to where we were from before the Baylor game to now. The confidence, you know, I I mean, every time Ish Masood shoots a shot, I'm just like, well, that's going in. You know, and it's I think he does such a good job of the catch high, keep high. You know, when he catches the ball, the the time it takes for him to catch it and shoot it is almost nothing. Because it's almost, you know, it's in the same spot as when he caught it. And I, I don't know if he did that last year, but that could be a big improvement. But, I mean, he's been absolutely amazing off the bench. I just keep getting these flashbacks with the Baylor game. and <laughs> I mean, he held the ball, and it looked as if, like, the way he released the ball, it wasn't going to go in, but it just go in. I, I think really since then, he has really hit a stride in Big 12 play when it comes to his three-point shooting percentage. Um, and particularly against Iowa State, he made a lot of big threes as well. He was, what was it, four or five? Uh, from three as well, one of which brought K State back, uh, back into like it, it was I believe a ten point lead, and he put K State back in it 
what was that, like a seven-point lead for Iowa State, and the next thing you know, uh, prior to the uh, Oshani dunk for, for Iowa State, Masu hit another three, and it was, I believe it was a two-point lead at the time. So, I mean, he had some clutch shots. He had, he had some real clutch shots. Yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and talk about some of the stats here just really quick, just to put everything in context. Marquise Noah was our leading scorer, 23 points, uh, 4 of 5 from 3, 7 of 8 from the line. But overall, I mean, it's, I think it's ironic. The one miss on the three had was that one that where he steals the ball and he just pulls up from three know. immediately, which I think the commentary put it best. You know, it's an earned shot, but not a good shot. You know, it's just, you know, sometimes Marquise is going to be Marquise, but that was probably one of the most Marquise Noel moments um, that we've seen so far in his tenure at K-State. And, you know, he makes up for it by, you know, going to the bucket the next time he steals the ball and draws a foul. But I just, you know, it's just it's just a little bit inconvenient as well. Because, yeah. I mean, he I mean, he had one man. He, had, he went up against one guy before uh, taking a three like like pump faking him and took the three. Yeah. And then late in the game, I mean, he was about to drive it to the rim, could have had a chance to, what was it, either tie the game or trail by one. And yeah. he just kind of finished on a layup in which, I mean, Iowa State had a, a lot of guys surrounding him uh, while he was going for that too. So uh, just a lot of being com- just, just completely mismanaged in that situation a little bit. And, uh, well, well, I think part of it, he also had Ishmael wide open as well, which didn't help. Uh, from K-State fans just having to rewind and, and watch that sequence of events occur again. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Second leading scorer was Keontae Johnson, 6-12 of 12 from the field of 15 points. You know, they were trying to get him into the post, but, I mean, Iowa State was being pretty physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people were complaining the refs weren't calling fouls. I would rather the refs let him play than call a bunch of ticky-tack stuff, so I'm not going to worry about that basically, too much. But Basically, let's not shoot uh, 67 free throws. Yeah, let's just let's let, let's let them play the game of basketball exactly. like we Pay, like we want them to watch or what we you know now paying it, five bucks a month on now ESPN if it's Plus like to watch if it's like like a, <laughs> the ESPN uh if it's like down to the wire then they'll have a little more controversy with, yeah. with all that but I mean if it's during the game then uh then you're not going to hear too much arguments on my end yeah I mean so unless, I was well unless if there's one that's blatantly obvious yeah uh, yeah um, so, I mean, we're up 40 to 37 a few minutes into the second half. Then Iowa State gets super hot. At one point, they lead 59 to 49. It's kind of just like, well, you know, especially on the road, you know, it's just down 10 points to the best defensive team in the Big 12. It's like, well, that's kind of tough. But, you know, each time, I mean, Marquise Noel would hit a three. Ish Masood would hit a three to kind of quiet the crowd and keep us within our reach. We get to 68-64 with um, 3.28 to go. But, I mean, this is when both teams start just trading blows back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, Marquise Noel hits that nasty step-back three with oh, an ankle breaker brutal. to make it a two-point oh, game. It was brutal. I loved that. I loved all of it. Yeah, and then we get some free throws. And then Gabe Kalsher, like we talked about earlier, he had a really clutch jumper, you know, going going to um, going yeah. right to left. That's really tough over a big two. Make it 75-71, uh, 33 seconds left. But, I mean, give credit to Coach Tang. He draws up a really good play out of the uh, on inbounds on a baseline that gets Keontae Johnson that look underneath the basket. Make it a two-point game. And then – um, you know, Oshuniyi misses a free throw. We got the ball with 23 seconds left, down three. Like, we got a shot to go to OT here in Hilton. Marquise Noel goes for a quick two, um, which I, I I don't know if there's any criticism for it, but I thought it was a good play. I mean, I 23 seconds left, that's plenty of time for a quick two and a foul. In, in, in terms of a scheme, I liked it, but just the situation, because you had a lot of Iowa State guys near the basket, yeah. kind of piling up on him a little bit. Yeah, but it doesn't go, and then we play the foul game for a little bit. Final score, 80-76. to 76. 
Um, we'll talk about it in the Big 12 standings a little bit later, but, you know, a three-way tie for first place now. Um, but, you know, we're taking a quick respite from conference play for the Big 12 SEC Challenge, but we're going to be right back into it, John, playing KU Jeez. in Allen Fieldhouse. After that, uh, this stretch is going to be um, pretty brutal for our basketball team coming up, you know, at KU, Texas at home, and then TCU at home. Um, it's nice to have those team teams at home, but those are you know teams right up there at the top of the Big Twelve standings that are going to give us a run for our money. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I think we're kind of getting to the point now as we approach the halfway, port, halfway part of a season with, with with the challenge kicking in. Um, we're starting to see a little more of a discrepancy in the Big Twelve. You got the top six teams who are. Gosh, <laughs> six of the top, like, they're all going to be top four seeds. Like, if they just continue to have their winning ways in this conference, they're going to be top four seeds. And then beyond that, it's just, it's just a major hang cliff. I mean, hangover. What was it? Hang, hang cliff? cliff? Oh, cliff hang. Well, never mind. Uh, Drop off a cliff or something like that. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then we get to the point where it's the bubble teams, yeah. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and then Texas Tech. Man, I feel bad for them. Yeah. Uh, but they're just down there. But, uh, you know, I mean, if K-State's able to get get past a stretch, um, past the Florida game with KUTCU and Texas possibly finishing 2-1, and one, you have to be feeling really good about about where 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 coming out of after this brutal stretch. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be tough, but it does get a little bit easier. One more stat I want to point out before we yeah, take a break, ahead. John. Uh, points off turnovers. I mean, turnovers yes. were pretty much the same. Um, you know, fourteen to thirteen, and Iowa State has twenty five points off turnovers, and we only have thirteen. I don't know, and that's a bit of a tough one to explain. But we just got to be more efficient with our live ball turnovers, because um, that's. I mean, that's a big difference in the game as well as the second chance points, you know, 17 to seven, it seems to be becoming a theme in our shows talking about rebounding, but it's something we got to work on. we got to get our bigs, you know, you got to think, you know, if David Gasson gets back into the rotation, what can he bring in terms mm-hmm. of a rebounding presence? Cause I mean, Keontae, Keontae can't do it all himself. We can't have Marquise Noel, um, you know, getting 10 rebounds, you know, it'd be great if he did, but yeah. it's probably, you know, significant that we're either winning by a lot or, you know, there's just some weird stuff going on because you know we need the the big guys in there getting the rebounds. So, uh, you got any final thoughts on the Iowa State game, John? I mean, it, I mean, just kind of wrapping this up. I thought it was a, it, it, I thought it was one of the more entertaining games. Uh, I was up a, up a studio doing practicing play play by play calling with Colby. So, uh, I, I had a thrill uh, kind of pretending that I was I was calling the game. Uh, but uh, well well played by Iowa State and. Uh, you know, you, you you can only move you can mo- only move on from here. Yeah, definitely. Coming up next on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove, we'll break down the Big Twelve standings, the Big Twelve SEC challenge, preview Florida, and get some K State fun facts up next. And we're back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Crove. We just recapped the Iowa State game. We're going to go over the Big 12 standings, talk about the Big 12 SEC challenge, talk about K-State's matchup with Florida, as well as give some K-State fun facts that I've randomly found in a book that I really love when I was like 10 years old. Let's talk about the standings. There's kind of three tiers we got going on here. We have a three-way tie for first with K-State, Texas, and Iowa State. All teams are at 6-2 and 
right now. Um, obviously, a long way to go, John. But there's yeah. kind of there's uh, a lot's going to be decided in these next few weeks. And then you've got a three way tie for second with TCU, KU, and ha! Baylor. Holy cow! That actually scared me. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I had to. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you've got KU, who's on a three-game losing streak. I believe it's like the third time ever they've lost three games in a row under Bill Self. Mm -hmm. You've got Baylor, who's won five in a row after starting 0-3, one of the hottest teams in the Big 12 right now. And then you kind of get a steep drop-off after that, which I think is the segue into the Big 12 SEC Challenge, John, Mm -hmm. because you've got Oklahoma State, who, according to Joe Lenardi, are in their first four out. West Virginia, who's 12-8 and eight right now, are in Lenardi's last four in. Probably because, I mean, Ken Palm are in the net rank. I think it was Ken Palm. They I love West Virginia. They've got them at like 21 or something, mm-hmm. even though they're 12-8. and eight. Um, And then you've got uh, Oklahoma, who's in Lenardi's next four out, and then Texas Tech, which, you know, unfortunate for them. But you've got Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Oklahoma, who are all kind of on the bubble here and a chance to get a win in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, it's going to be tough for Oklahoma, as we'll see. Talk about the matchups, but um, it's going to be. There's a chance for some big resume building wins for these uh, t- lower teams in the Big Twelve. You kind of have West Virginia build, uh, kind of progressing up a little bit. Um, they beat TCU this past week. I mean, last week, and um, hang hanging in there with Texas last last weekend. Then they come into Lubbock, and really, well, like I was kind of, I was kind of. Saying uh, is Texas Tech's pretty much due for a win, but no, they come into Lubbock and they beat them by double digits, I believe. So big win for West Virginia and really a big opportunity here. If they can beat Auburn in Morgantown, that is definitely going to boost their resume. That's the first game we're going to talk about in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. 15th ranked Auburn versus West Virginia. You'd think Auburn would be favored in this game, John. But ESPN's BPI gives West Virginia a 66% chance to win this game. I mean, because the net, like I said, the net rankings in Ken Palm, they just love West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia is higher in the net in the Ken Palm than K State is. West Virginia's at twenty one, K State's at twenty five. Yeah. Um, and you know, compared to Auburn, West Virginia's at twenty five in the net rankings. Auburn is thirty in the net rankings. So you I mean consider the eighth place Big Twelve team is higher ranked than fifteenth ranked Auburn, who's near the top of the SEC. It's just kind of mind blowing, but it's a good resume builder for West Virginia to kind of um sort of secure their place in the NCAA tournament instead of being on that you know last four in first four out bubble. And the good thing is for some of these bubble teams, I should have mentioned this by the way, is that being being its team like West Virginia or Oklahoma State, you are going to have that Big Twelve factor come into play as a part of being on the bubble. Whereas you see a few other schools like in Nevada or uh Penn State are not going to have like the best conference schedule resume and all that stuff but even against the Big 12 competition West Virginia is better than Auburn in protecting the basketball shooting two shooting threes free throws as well which that one surprises me a little bit I was not thinking Auburn would be that bad at free throws Hmm. considering that we've seen from West Virginia for the past (laughs) few games Um, but West Virginia also has a slight edge on defense you also got the rebounding and the home court advantage as well um, Auburn is rated higher in the AP and coaches poll because no matter how good the metrics are for West Virginia wins and losses, there's a lot of influence from the public perception as well. Um, but West Virginia needs to win to make their case for, for an NCAA bid. And I think getting Auburn, um, who is coming off of a big loss against Texas A&M, I think this is a big opportunity for West Virginia 
to pull one out. I got the Mountaineers. Yeah, another team on the bubble here we're talking about up next, Oklahoma, but they've got second-ranked Bama, oh, and Bama's man. Alabama's legit. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, gosh. I mean, you only win the Sugar Bowl in football and then get rewarded with an absolutely well, awesome basketball well, think team. think about it this way. K-State and Alabama, <laughs> we're now everything schools. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah. And now, now we're in the top five. I mean, man, things yeah. are going great for but both schools. Really, really tough matchup for Oklahoma. Absolutely. We'll see what they can do 1 p.m. on ESPN. Iowa State versus Missouri there we go. Um, at the same time. Missouri's having themselves a decent season under first-year uh, head coach Dennis Gates. Been, able to, been unable to beat any great teams in the SEC so far. They beat Kentucky. They beat which Arkansas. Kentucky's kind of on the on the rise right now from where they were, where you know how low they had fallen earlier. Um, they beat Illinois as well, but that's not in the SEC. But uh, going four and four so far. Um, it's in Columbia, so I think it'll be a really good matchup against the Cyclones. Yeah, I mean Iowa State's not going to have that home home court factor that they've been holding to to throughout the throughout the entire season and. Missouri, I mean, despite um, despite having not one of their best shooters, they've been getting some pretty good wins under the belt. Um, beating Arkansas by three, they beat the same Florida team by nine as well in Gainesville. Um, you have a few bumps on the road with Texas A&M as well, um, but you are going to have a few big wins like Arkansas and Kentucky under, I mean, like, yeah, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Illinois. Um, it's going to be a big test for Iowa State, yet you said it. It's going to be Missouri, Missouri. This is not the same Missouri team that we've seen throughout the past few years, so it's going to be a really fun one. I think this is a football rivalry as well. Uh, it's called like a battle for the telephone. Oh, okay. You got a telephone huh. trophy. So uh, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Texas Tech versus LSU. Uh, we're we're not spending any time on this one. Two bottom feeders. Hopefully, Texas Tech can win. If Tech loses, uh, I mean, yeah, then if, it's time to start. If you haven't been keeping up with LSU, yeah. they're one and seven in the SEC so far. They're not helping K State's non conference strength of schedule for sure. Curses. <laughs> um, let's move on here. Uh, TCU Mississippi State, eleventh ranked TCU. Uh, ESPN's BPI actually likes Mississippi State in this game. Um, I was watching, I think, a couple days ago. Mississippi State was playing a really close game with Bama, um, but they haven't really done anything extraordinary this season. Also under a first-year head coach, Chris Jans, who was kind of on a list for a little while for the K-State job, at least, you know, in yeah. articles. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm expecting TCU to definitely uh, take this game. They TCU is the most impressive team in the Big 12 I've seen. I mean, Iowa State – they're up there. I mean, you, you'll have a few bumps on the road from their, from from Iowa State's perspective. I feel like I'm using the term a lot of bumps on the road too often. Oh, well. Uh, Batista's playing like they're one of the hottest teams in the country. You come into Lawrence, beat the crap out of KU, you then return possibly on a letdown game, and you obliterate Oklahoma as well. So there was no indications of letdowns. Mike Miles and, and Eddie Lampkin, they're playing tremendous ball, Damian Ball. I, I think it's Damian Bow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's 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 played some great minutes as well. I think TCU clears. Yeah, I think so as well. Um Arkansas. I uh, just want to remind you, listen to the Shake and Blake show live here in Walker yep. ninety one nine. We're going through yep, the Big Twelve yep, SEC yep, challenge yep, right now yep, and how yep. how dominant the Big Twelve is going to be. Arkansas Absolutely. coming to travel or traveling to Waco. 
take on 17th-ranked Baylor. Arkansas has not won on the road this season. I highly doubt they're going to. Going into mm-hmm. Waco against one of the hottest teams in the country has won five big 12 games in a row, mm-hmm. which is just so hard to do. Baylor has been incredible this year at home. They've won the last 15 of its 17 home games. The only but one of those losses came against a familiar person uh, who's coached at Baylor before. They're also riding on a five-game winning streak coming into this matchup as well. So Baylor has not suffered a loss against um, what appears to be the spread during this game. Um, and I just think their offensive-minded game plan with, with the way Scott Drew has gotten these guys um, going, I think it's going to make me uh, lean towards Baylor at, at, on their home court. Yeah, let's move on to one of the most interesting matchups of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, We're saving a game that's not quite – that's a little earlier, the best one for last, John. But KU versus Kentucky here. So we've got a blue bud who's looked really good at the Mm -hmm. start of the season, but it started sucking recently. Then we've got one blue bud who sucked and is now kind of starting to look decent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're talking about KU. Obviously, they've lost three in a row. Um, You know, that they obviously lost by a ton – to TCU, that Baylor game, they kind of kept it within reach. But, man, Jalen Wilson really needs some help. And then you've got Kentucky, who's beaten Tennessee, which is pretty impressive, won their last four games. Um, KU's trying to break a three-game losing streak. So it's kind of an inter- interesting spot in the season to have these two teams play each other, and it is at Kentucky. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Rupp Arena. They've won the last four. Uh, they've, won, they've won four straight games and 11 out of their last 12 at home. Their only loss was to South Carolina. Uh just a complete turmoil mess. They, they started to really get things going. Really got offensively, especially at home where they're scoring more than 81 points per game. Uh, they rebound the ball, and they're very aggressive on the offensive side of the glass as well. They also do a pretty good job of protecting the ball, and it won't give the Jayhawks a lot of easy opportunities. Even though I think Kansas will play pretty good defensively, they just struggled on a. They just struggled on their recent games. They keep giving up eighty plus points, um, and, and I think it'll, they will have a hard time slowing down Ken, uh, Kentucky and uh, uh, what Oscar Chibwe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar Chibwe. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Kentucky in this one to pull it off and uh, give Bill Self a fourth straight L <laughs> next Tuesday. Yeah, I can't imagine the last times that happened. You'd think Dewan Harris would give him some help. It seems like he's been totally radio silent like in ter- the last in few games. His passing game, when it comes to assists, it's been pretty good, but he's just not getting in the best amount of shots. So, yeah. Yeah. Cruise <laughs> right there or... I didn't know if you were gonna finish, if you were gonna keep going or not. Okay, uh, Ole Miss. Well, okay, I, I, you don't have to keep going, you know. Never mind. All right, Ole Miss, Oklahoma that State, game, seven PM, ESPN two. Um, it's a good chance for Oklahoma State to get a win, trying to get back. Uh, as we said earlier, they're in the first four out currently, according to Joe Lenardi. So we'll see if they can get a win there. Hopefully, find themselves back in the last four in. No, nice Florida versus right K- there. Florida versus K-State. Thank you for noticing that, John. Mm-hmm. Florida versus K-State. We'll do a whole segment on that a little bit later. Um, and then we've got uh, the highest-ranked matchup um, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Tenth-ranked Texas taking on number 4 Tennessee, uh, 5 p.m. Two of the best teams in each conference going to head-to-head. Who's going to be the best UT? Yeah, it's the Battle of the Orange as well. So mm-hmm. this should be it'll the be, Orange UTs. be a really fun matchup between two really good basketball teams. I think this is going to be a really good game. If you like defensive-minded basketball in particular, to me, and I, and, and it's hard to and, and stay away from this bet if there's anybody who's gambling out there, but 
To me, this is hard to predict. Tennessee is one of the best defensive units in the country. They're fifth in offensive rebounding percentage. But they're playing an arguably weaker offensive team than, than the, the – let me think about this. Tennessee – the Volunteers are arguably a weaker offensive team than, than what Texas has been throughout the past few games. And I, I lean Tennessee to win straight up because of a home court advantage – while Texas typically has the tall tasks to replicate the tremendous shooting performances uh, a la Oklahoma State game. Uh, if you want to take the risk, I mean, go, go go with any team to win by five or fewer points to give some hefty, hefty wages. So, I mean, that's just the Vegas side of me. <laughs> Don't say anything about that. I think it's going to be a tall order for Tennessee to, to deal with this Texas offense, but I'm going to give them the advantage since it's their home court. Yeah, so that's the last game of the Big 12 SEC Challenge that we've looked at. I mean, overall, John, got to expect uh, the Big 12 to take this one home. We you are. Know, you can give yep. you can give Alabama a win. Um, you can give Kentucky a win, maybe. Um, you know, maybe Tennessee. There's three or four, but I mean, I think I could I could easily see the Big 12 going six and four here. I'm trying to. It was a pretty disappointing result last year if i remember correctly it was a obviously really disappointing performance in case from case state yeah it was very disappointing Jeez. but yeah that was that was hard to watch losing in oxford man <sighs> and we, oh, and okay anyway <laughs> ptsd we're, we're ranked fifth in the country let's we got let's not, we we let's not, we have a ptsd disorder <laughs> we think about some of the bad times we have we too have, big of highlights yeah we have post-traumatic stress disorder disorder oh um, that's a oh yeah yeah Anyway, uh, so overall, I mean, John, I'm, let me ask you this real quick. We've got a couple minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that w- the Big 12 and SEC should not, like, pre-plan the games and make them more flexible to kind of equate to different matchups and, like, strength of the teams? Like, based on the stand? Yeah, possibly? or something like that. I don't even know if playing these challenges games are, are worth it anymore. Yeah. I think this is benefiting the SEC more than it's going to benefit the Big 12 yeah. because, I mean, it's going to be like a, as if the SEC has nothing to lose. If the Big 12 has the advantage in these games, they're just going to be continue pointing out, oh, the Big 12 is going to be the best conference. There's no doubt about it. They just proved it against this conference. But if somehow uh, if a divine intervention occurs and if the SEC – Went to take it, and everybody's just oh, the Big Twelve is just. I mean, it's like it's like the, the same conversation you, be, you hear about Oklahoma when they play every Big Twelve team. They're expected to win, but it turns out completely upside down if they lose. I mean, that's going to be the same case with the Big Twelve. Um, but you're, to, to answer your question on the standings, I, I I I do kind of agree, but at the same time, you have some you have. I mean, you got to have KU and Kentucky likely as one of your bigger staples, blue blood programs all-time winningest programs top two uh i mean then some of the upper big games that like who are who are preseason expected to be what up there like tennessee and texas uh i mean maybe auburn and west virginia if you want to count west virginia with bob huggins uh just some of the games like that i was expecting oklahoma to be a lot better than they were but um Man, they're gonna get derailed by Alabama. I mean, yeah. ma- not, I mean, probably not too many people were expecting for Bama to be uh, where they're at uh, what, under Nate Oates. Yeah, so it's gonna be a really fun Big Twelve SEC challenge tomorrow, all over ESPN and in Bramlage Coliseum, which we'll oh, talk absolutely. about in a little bit later after a short break. But let's talk about women's basketball first. They traveled down to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Um, they weren't able to come up with a win. They lost eighty-two to seventy-four. Um, this was a game kind of, John, that just got out of their hands early. You know, yeah. you're down 25-14 after the first quarter. 
Um, despite you know a really good fourth quarter, you outscore them by eight. They go on a big scoring drought. Oklahoma State does to end the game. You know you're not able to kind of close that gap enough. Um, I think the stick, the thing that sticks out to me in the stats, John, is I mean, first of all, you win the turnover battle. You know, Oklahoma State's got 20 turnovers, and you're not really able to do a ton with it. Um, so you 16 points off turnovers, but I mean, 11 assists on 24 made field goals is not a lot, especially compared to Oklahoma State's. 22 assists on 27 made field goals. That just shows me that they're they were passing the ball a lot better and getting better shots. But that being said, John, you did have two really good performances from Serena Sundell and Sarah Shamatsi getting 21 yeah. points and 15 points respectively, and they were both shooting it very efficiently as well. Yeah, and especially against the Calgary Shamatsi throughout the past two matchups against Oklahoma State, she has been averaging 20 points, something you would like as well. Um, you also, uh, yeah, Serena Sundell, she led the team with 21 points, four assists, and three rebounds. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma State, they were just a little bit hotter uh, on the offensive end. Uh, they would outscore K-State 23-16 in the third quarter. K-State closed it with two within 10, uh, following a Briley Gunn three-pointer, but Oklahoma State just rebuilt their advantage. K-State end of the night, it was a better shooting, it was a better shooting performance overall. I would say it, it was a 42, 43% night from the field, uh, 38% from beyond the arc as well. So, um, I mean, it's it's a much improved Oklahoma State team from, from what we saw. I believe I believe a head coach for Oklahoma State was a was an assistant under Mitty as well. So, Kansas native as well, to a lesser degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they just kind of fully take control of a comeback you also had some foul trouble occurring late as well yeah definitely unfortunate for them so coming up next to wrap out the last few minutes of the shake and blake show we will preview florida and also give some k-state fun facts all next on the shake and blake show with blake crawford and john grove And we're back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. We're going to round out the last 10 minutes here, previewing Florida. And if we have time, I'll get into uh, Wildcats to Powercats and some fun facts about our football team. Like how many high schools we played in the early 20th century and if we lost to any of them and um, other fun things like that, as well as who was the first K-State quarterback um, all the way back in 1891. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to point out that Taylor Brett put out the – bring on the cats oh yeah so yeah we might we might have to do an emergency little thing on a possible recruit they're probably not it's probably okay we can get out yeah it'll probably yeah we we can make time we can make it'll probably be released um by the time we go off the air but let's talk about case versus florida tomorrow in bramlage coliseum but if you can't make it to bramlage make sure to tune into wildcat 91.9 to hear colby van camp and john grove call the game you guys will have i'm sure you guys will have a great time Uh, a big k-state victory i i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to it it'll be my first time broadcasting for wildcat 91.9 and broadcasting with colby and he's had a lot of great calls in the past so um I, I, I'm just looking forward to it, man. It's going to be real exciting. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a cool environment as well. Bramlage on a Saturday. We're wearing lavender as well. Oh, it's yeah. Gonna be all lavender. Oh, yeah. That's going to be really cool. That's going to be really Yeah, those those lavender quarter zips have already sold out. That looks so awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, lavender is definitely in this season. So, John, what can you tell us about the Florida Gators? 
So Florida, I'm looking more at more at this in terms of the defensive product that they're going to bring to Bramwich Coliseum. They're ranked 13th nationally in defensive efficiency, according to Kempom. They're allowing teams to only score 65 points per game. Um, if you want to talk about K-State with some of the issues driving up to the basket against Iowa State, Iowa State had five block shots uh, on Tuesday night. Florida comes into this game averaging 5.9 shot. I mean, uh, blocking 5.9. Uh, shots per game that's fifth in the country so uh, that's going to be trouble troubling some for k-state uh on the offensive on the offensive end uh for the cats florida's also 34 nationally in field goal defensive percentage at 39.9 percent as well he'd be ranked second in the big 12 so uh, on the defensive end this is going to be a little more of a trap game for k-state but i mean been on the offensive offensive end it's pretty to me, I mean, and 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 I got some help with this from from Cam and Spencer Fortner as well. Uh, it's been pretty average. They're averaging seven seventy two points per game, seventh ranked in the SEC. Um, but two players I keep an eye on um, on the Gators' offense is Will Richard. He's averaging ten points per game, for, and he's shooting forty three point five percent from three from three point range as well. Um, so you would expect possibly Marquise Noel um, to possibly go up on him, possibly a Cam Carter or a Desi Sales as well. Um, and then Florida's big man, Colin Castleton, he's averaging 15 points per game, eight rebounds per game, and three blocks per game. Um, he, I mean, he scored the first six points against South Carolina. Um, I think to me it's going to be the rebounding and the dominating the boards part that's going to possibly be the area of weakness for K-State uh, going up against Castleton, he has great court vision, especially if you ha- get him trapped in the low post. And if you're seeing him cutting behind him, uh, if you see another athlete getting behind him, he's going to get the quick bounce off pass uh, for an easy bucket for Florida. So uh, possibly pair him up with a Miami Ejiola, uh, and may- maybe that'll start to eventually crowd him a little bit more. But that's my that's those are my early thoughts on Florida. I mean, despite the fact that Florida's twelve and eight. Um, they've had a decent run in the SEC. You know, they're five and three. They managed to beat uh, Missouri, who was ranked at the time. Um, but I think their non-conference is where they struggled, including John playing two other Big Twelve teams, West Virginia and Oklahoma, who they both lost or they lost to both West Virginia and, and Oklahoma. And while we're on the topic of schedules, this this is just the beginning of a brutal stretch for Florida. I mean, you want to talk about K State stretch? Florida has to deal with K State, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Alabama all in a row so that's so florida is going to be getting a lot of good stuff starting uh with tomorrow in the octagon of doom yeah and i mean we got to talk about it john obviously Keontae johnson playing his former team Uh, Uh, i'm I'm not really sure how many you know what the crossover is how many players that were on the team that knew Keontae, but i'm sure that's going to be emotional for him but you know he's a competitor he's going to come out and play his best basketball i I mean we 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 saw him uh say on the press conferences that it's not going to be too much of a factor but I, I don't know. To me, if it just feels like this is the type of game for Keontae Johnson, the, the motivational type of game for, for his sakes. Um, you, you want to just talk about the overall situation that he's dealt with at Florida, collapsing on the court against Florida State. Um, possibly part of that is that he was not able to return to Florida as well um, because of that uh, heart concern as well. So he so now he's at K-State. He's putting up some big numbers, and possibly will, will – and hopefully this is the case – Hopefully we get to see him kind of, kind of go out on, uh, on Florida, um, just kind of, just kind of routing them. <laughs> That's the only other way I could put it. Yeah, 5 p.m. on ESPN two or in Bramlage Coliseum or on Wildcat 91.9. Plenty of options on how 
to consume the game. It should be a good win for K-State. You know, even with the loss against Iowa State, if we take care of business against Florida, should easily remain in the top 10. Now, um, we've got a few minutes left, John. I obviously kind of dropped the ball on getting a bunch of stuff for K-State Sports Trivia. It's okay. But um, I brought this book that I I used to read a lot when I was like 10 from – from my dad's I, house. I think I saw that. It's book called before. Wildcats to Powercats. There's oh, some really okay. fun stuff in here. My yeah, favorite, my favorite part of the book is it's got a year by year, like chronological order of everything K State did mm-hmm. each year, and I think it's really fun. Um, I mean, one of the stories they talk about is from 1907 to 1923. Obviously, we know KU has the overall record in football. That you know, K State didn't win a single game. And um, it was kind of a sort of jinx that K State would hold. So at at uh, at football games, a bunch of KU fans would just chant jinx at the K State team, which I think is kind of funny and very nineteen, um, you know, tens and twenties. Um, but there's a lot of lot of very good stuff in here. Uh, we started out as the Kansas State Agricultural College. Yep. Agricultural College. Then, we've, not, we've gone through nicknames yeah. such as the Aggies or Farmers. Yeah, I was just about to mention that in yeah, 1915 we went from the Aggies to the Wildcats. But then we changed coaches, and he changed us to the Farmers. Yep. And then um, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if, if the coach, Charles Bachman, in 1920 changed us back to the Wildcats. You want, um, you want to know who the mascot was back then? Who our our good old our good old Bosco Labrador? Oh yeah, of course the origin of uh, you know Bosco's Top of boys. The 12, yes, yeah. He said uh, he said his squad had the spiting uh, the fighting spirit of Wildcats, so that's why we went yep. with this name to this day. But there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff in here talking about you know in 1891 playing um, at a park we played um, uh, I believe in 1896. Yes, we played. Uh, we played uh, the Fort Riley Soldiers and we lost fourteen to nothing. Back on the day um, where we where we travel through mud to play our road games. Yeah, I love that we pl- we played Junction City High School again. A, a coll- collegiate athletes were going up against high school kids and we beat them. We played Manhattan High School, John. Mm-hmm. We played your Manhattan High School, and I believe we beat them thirty to nothing. We thought we had a few weird games. We played Washington County High School. That's yeah. over by like the Nebraska border. Our first ever win in school history, I believe, was against Chapman High School. Yeah, Chapman. So, yeah. yeah, um, But our first game was, I believe, in... I believe that was against Fort Riley. In 1892, um, (laughs) the score was 4-4, to and Arthur D. Benson from Colfax, Illinois, was our quarterback. So that's... uh, Um, There's a lot of... That's four safeties, right? I I think it was just... I bet a touchdown was just like a point back then. Yeah, I feel probably. like they were still kind of trying to figure out the rules. Um, It was kind of... He kind of just... I think it was more like an intramural kind of thing that slowly we evolved into the biggest sport in, in we, the entire country. We, we, we didn't have Princeton and... We didn't have Princeton records now. Yeah, we didn't go then. one we, and we, one we, we and just, win a national championship. We, we just wanted to beat the crap out of yeah. each other on the field. That's what that's what Midwesterners wanted to do back yeah. then. <laughs> Alright, well, it's been a lot of fun here on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakeandBlake785. Follow the podcast, Shake and Blake. Your review are listening. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything and Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Thank you.